Matthew chapter 5. I don't know if you guys know Matthew chapter 5, but Matthew chapter 5 is considered the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it is considered uh, Jesus' longest sermon. And, and we're going to tackle just the beginning part um, and just a small aspect of uh, what he talks about in this amazing sermon. I don't know if you guys ever have read through and just really studied the Sermon on the Mount, but there's like, there's godly, uh, just uh, uh, like, like insight and, and so much wisdom and, and so much amazing things about every aspect of your life in here. So if you like read and follow Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is considered the Sermon on the Mount, and if you really like, like try to live by it, like I guarantee you, you will live a godly, spirit-filled life. There's so many amazing teachings in um, this sermon. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, let's open to Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. This is salt and light. This is probably You guys have probably read this many times. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, So when I was young... You know, this is one of the, the passages that, you know, a lot of my youth pastors would preach to us. And, you know, it's so ingrained in my mind. And it's this thing, like, this is Christian thing that we have that whenever we see this passage or even, we even like hear the word salt and light, we kind of assume what it's about, right? Like, we have this, like, this understanding. We've been kind of hit over the head with it so many times that we kind of have this understanding, oh, it's about evangelism, right? You know, we, uh, it's about going to the lost. It's about like reaching out to your coworkers and doing this and that. And and I don't knock evangelism. Evangelism is very important. Uh, I want you guys to all really know that that evangelism, uh, we all need to be reaching out. It's very important, and and we need to do more. But as I started to really meditate on this passage uh, a while ago, I came to the understanding that what Jesus is talking about is is not so much about doing, but it's more about being. Right. Um. You know, he, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, right? Now, I want to start out this sermon by defining the who that he is talking about. Who is the you, right? And the King James is ye. So who is the ye that Jesus is talking about um, when he's describing, you know, the salt and the light of the, of the earth? And the answer is pretty easy, but it's actually kind of hard. Um, and, and you see... The person that he's talking about is actually described in the verses before what we just read, which is called the Beatitudes. And I'm sure you guys have heard what the Beatitudes is about. It's this blessed, you know, where Jesus goes up on the mountain and he sees this crowd of people and he starts to really recite. It's almost like a poem. It's almost like this, like, um, this kind of, this poetic, like, a dis, like a dissertation that he gives to his people. And he's talking about these things. Um, that of, of the person that is blessed, right? And 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 that's the person that he describes in the Beatitudes is actually the person that he is saying is the salt and the light of the world, right? It's and and if you've ever read the Beatitudes, it's not easy, right? And I'm going to read it to you guys. If you guys are there, it's just a couple of verses before what we just read, but it says, and he opened his mouth and taught. Them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right, so, so the the person that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the salt and the light of the world, uh, it's not an easy thing to live up to. Right. 
Um, the you that Jesus is talking about can't be satisfied with like this blanket late statement of Christians because or believers. Because there's a lot of Christians that are out there and there's a lot of believers that are out there, um, you know, that, that they think that they're believers and, and they, they might be, but they're not, they're, they're not at this, at this place where they're, they're walking in what the Jesus is talking about when he talks about the Beatitudes. You know, like a lot of Christians, they see faith and they see, you know, belief in Jesus as just a way to get out of hell. They just see it as a ticket to heaven, um, but really not having anything to do with their life on this earth. But the person that Jesus is talking about is one that is walking under the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. By being transformed and sanctified by the Word of God through the power of His, the Holy Spirit, who's walking the path to remain un, remain broken and humble before the Lord, righteous and pure, merciful, unwavering in the face of persecution, faithful and unmoved in the face of struggles and opposition. Right? And this is not an easy thing to, to live up to, right? You can call yourself a Christian and still not be this. And he's talking about one that is blessed. But, you know, and not in the sense of the word like, you know, as rich, because a lot of people, you know, you see all this in Instagram where people will like put themselves on a yacht somewhere in like the Mediterranean and you see their feet sticking out and it says hashtag blessed, right? That's not what, what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about blessed, right? Now it's, it's, it's this blessed you know, and, and R.T. Kendall is one of my favorite writers. I don't know if you guys ever read the book Anointing. Amazing book. Um, I really love R.T. Kendall. We got a chance to meet them uh, in Hong Kong. H- Hong Kong. Mina says that I say Hong Kong right. Wrong. I, I put the accent on the wrong word. Hong Kong. Is it Hong Kong or Hong Kong? Anyways, I don't know why. She always tells me that I say it wrong. Right? When she says uh, vaccine, right? she says vaccine instead of vaccine, right? Anyway, when we were in Hong Kong, I, I always get self-conscious when I say Hong Kong because everybody was like, when we were there, they're like, oh, you say it wrong. You know? We were in Hong Kong at this, this retreat and we got a chance to meet R.T. Kendall and I, we really like him because uh, he's very like like strong in the word. Right? He's very like biblically sound teacher, but he's also very about the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he, and he writes so many books about the Holy Spirit. And he writes uh, that blessed the word blessed describes the person God approves. Right? And so, this is the criteria that we, that Jesus is basically like labeling under the person that is blessed, is, is, is a person that God approves. And he goes on to say that when Jesus says we're blessed, it means that we are under the Holy Spirit's grace and anointing. Right? And so, we're not just living our lives under our own volition, doing whatever we want, but we're living under this life where we're being led by the Spirit of God through grace and His anointing. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That pure in heart comes from a blessedness, comes from the grace and the anointing that God releases over us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. When we become believers, God resides in us, right? That's the amazing thing about God. He resides in us. And He's not just like, like, just the, just, some dude that lives up in our attic. <laughs> you're not just some like, you know, like, like a house guest or you're not just like some kind of roommate that you have that you never see. You know, you, you've, had, you've had those roommates, but I had a roommate, you know, when we lived in Seoul and there were times where I wouldn't see him because he's such a melancholy. He just like locks himself in his room and draws pictures all day, right? He's not like that. He's, he wants to be involved in our lives and he, he, we gave him, when we became Christians, we gave our lives up to God, right? In essence, the Holy Spirit should be the one that is leading and guiding our lives. Right? And that being led and being guided by the Spirit of God is what is meant by the anointing of God. We are living in the anointing of God. And one thing that we have to know is that the, the Beatitudes that we just read, are it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. Some of the, the most simple things that he talks about in here is like, blessed are the meek, right? To, you know, like, to be truly meek, right? Like it, it's not easy, right? right? To to be a peacemaker, to be merciful, right? It's not easy. Some some like knucklehead cuts me off in traffic, and I'm like, you know, like the first thing I do is like, oh, how dare you, right? It's like, you know, like to be able to just be like merciful and be like, oh, you know, grace to you, right? That's not easy, right? Like there's so many situations in our life where our flesh will rise up, 
right? But to be led by the Holy Spirit into these areas of our lives is what the, what Jesus is talking about. And not just the Holy Spirit is in me, like you know, like I'm going to heaven, but listening, obeying, being led by the Spirit of God, you know, Him being at work in us, trans, like transforming us, equipping us through the Word, through prayer. You know, and, and like we, we experience the fire of God. That's what we're talking about, the anointing of God. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the salt of the earth, and the light of the world. And when Jesus says, like, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's, he's talking about people that are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, being led by the Spirit of God. So a lot of a lot of us we we, we find ourselves in this place where where like we we're believers, but you know we're not really when when we when we say are we really salt and light of the earth? And a lot of us we we have to kind of question that, and we have to ask that question honestly to ourselves: Are we the salt of the earth? Am I a light in the in the earth? And this is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about salt and light. He's talking about people living under the anointing the Lordship of God and the Spirit of God, living under this transformative power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, this is not easy. Right? This, this is not easy. And and I want to tell you something about this, is that that what I talked about in the Beatitudes and when I talked about all of this, I don't want to discourage you guys and say, oh, I suck. You know, like, oh, I should. I, w- I want to let you know that this is all, uh, it is all a process. We're all on a process, right? But our heart has to be directed to God in a way where we are allowing God to work in our lives. And, and also this, this anointing that we have is not a permanent thing. You don't get it and always have it. Just because you became saved and you are living under the anointing of God doesn't mean that you're going to constantly be under the anointing of God. There's been seasons where God's like anointing has been on me and I, I'm like seeking the Lord and I'm you know, I, I just I could just feel the Holy Spirit guiding so many of my steps. Usually, these are the times where I'm struggling, like like things are very difficult in my life, and I feel like, ah, oh, God, how do I? And I go to God and I, I I seek Him. I'm like, God, I need you, and then God is there for me, and I feel this anointing power of God just like at work in my life. But there's times where like everything is hunky dory, and I just I'm just not under the anointing of God because I'm not seeking Him out, right? So it's not a permanent thing that we get when we become saved. Like, well, I'm anointed. Right? And I'm just going to watch football all day. right? It's, that's not how it works. right? We have to seek it out. We have to seek out the Spirit of God. Right? It's not permanent. Right? We could grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? You know, It says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, and and there's times where I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and there are other times where I hunger and thirst for Netflix, right? Or there's times where I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and times where I hunger and thirst for the NBA. Like, there's distractions in my life. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. And there's times where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm, you know, I want to be a person that brings peace into the world. And then there's times where me and I would do something annoying, and instead of God saying, like, oh, be a peacemaker, I'm like, no, right? But like, I must be justified. I'd be like, why did you do this? You know, we get into fights and we argue, right? And so this is, is this anointing and this blessedness that Jesus talks about. It's not this permanent thing that we get just because we're saved or Holy Spirit is in us. It's something that we have to cultivate in our lives. Right? We have to live and we have to seek out God and we have to seek out the Spirit of God. Now with the Beatitudes, you know, I, I like I said before, I don't want to disqualify you, right? But I want to challenge you. Under that definition, are you the salt? Are you salt, or are you light? Are you the salt of the earth? Are you the light of the world? Uh, and and growing up, I would I would hear a lot of about this passage about evangelism, right? And th- I mean, these were my great pastors. I had great you know youth pastors growing up, and 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 I understood that you know a lot of this has to do with evangelism. But I look back now and I realize that they were more focused on us delivering the message. And not the condition of the messenger. Right? They're really focused on us going out and like telling people about Jesus, but not so focused on the condition of the person that's going out and telling, talking about Jesus. Right? Because we can evangelize till we're blue in the face. If we're not living the life that God wants us to live, the world's gonna have, end up with that. Whatever we're giving them is gonna end up with a bad taste in their mouth. Right? And, I, and this happens all the time out in the world. 
Because the message is flawless. The gospel of Jesus Christ is flawless. It's timeless. It's perfect. Right? And, and we are to go and be salt and be light. But Jesus is focusing on the being part. Then, then more than just like going out and doing part. He's not saying that we should, you know, like we shouldn't go out, but he, he's saying that we need to be the salt. We need to be the light in order for when us do, when we do go out, right, we're actually making an impact in the world. If the power of the Holy Spirit is truly at work in you, transforming you, and, 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 you know, like he's, he's, he's creating the fruit of the Spirit in you, right, you will go out naturally. You will go and engage and you will make confrontations with the dark forces of evil that are out there. You will, you will go out and shine light into the darkness and you will go out and be that flavor of, of God that the world needs. You know, you, it won't be like pulling teeth. But then there's been times in my life where, you know, our church goes on this evangelism stint and, you know, we're not, nothing really about like, you know, cultivating a lifestyle and we just go out and we try and I remember feeling so awkward and feeling like so like, you know, like, unprepared, and I'm feeling like, I, I, I was like pulling teeth, right? But, but, what Jesus is talking about being salt and light, and not, I'm not saying that we should not be evangelists, we should not go out, I'm saying, we have to come from a place where we are who God wants us to be. We, we find that identity, and we find that being, right? Because when we can be what God wants us to be, we're naturally gonna do what He wants us to do. You know, it's about devotion and, and relationship. And when we are devoted to God and when we are in relationship with Him, we are the salt. We are the light. We don't have the characteristics of salt or we don't have the characteristics of light. We are salt and we are light. And this is what Jesus is getting at. Right? And, and, and I'm not going to lie, there's been plenty of times where I try to go out there I try to taste salty and I try to be light, but all I'm doing is like, and I'm like MSG and like, and like just like a, you know those like tinsel on a Christmas tree, like just there's no light. You know, if you turn off the light and all of the lights off of a Christmas tree, no matter how much tinsel you have there, it's still gonna be black, right? But God wants Jesus. He's saying, be the, you know, like you are salt, you are light, and that's what He's talking about. And before I move on. To the aspects of my sermon about being salt and being light, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned it earlier. Is that it's a process. I don't want to discourage you guys. I don't want to try to unqualify you guys. It's a process that we were in, right? And so we, we, our hearts need to be geared and, and tuned towards God and saying, God, I want you to come and transform me. I want you to come. I want to seek you out. This, this is the hunger and this is the the thirsting that that God wants to produce in us for us to seek out God. It's a process. And you enter that process through grace. It's turning our hearts to God, receiving His grace, right? and we repent you know, of our sins. And, and it's not just about you know, just forgiving us, but transforming us. So many people are just about being forgiven. right? Oh God, I'm sorry I did this. You're forgiven. Okay, great. Right? And then they go back and do the same thing. right? It's not about forgiveness. It's about transformation. Right? If, if you're in, if you're a Christian just for forgiveness, you're, you're missing like 90% of what God wants to do in your life. Right? Because like, I, you know, like when, when Ezra comes and hits me, and hit me a lot today, right? I forgive him, right? Right? But then what my goal in Ezra is for, I want to have a relationship with him so that I, I could transform him and I can make him into the man of God that I want him to be, right? I could, I'll forgive him. If he like spills something, yeah, I forgive him. But that, that, that's, that's not, that's like, like a tiny fraction of what I want to see in his life. And so many people are just all, just, they're just, they hang up in this, oh, I just want to be forgiven, right? But it's so much more than that. God wants to transform us. He wants us to have, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for us to have a pure heart, for us to remain Steadfast in persecution, and it's a process, and God wants us on that process. And, and I want to tell you something else. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
Right? He didn't say blessed is the poor in spirit, right? He said it, you are, right? And in that word you in the Hebrews is called humais and it's an irregular plural. So he's talking about a group of people. He's talking about you all. And the person that Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes is impossible without community. Without, without the body of Christ. Without people building you up and also you building up other people. Now, you can't expect to be the person that is described in, in, in Matthew 5, right, without you sowing into other people's life. You can't just, you can't just receive, receive, receive and expect to be this person that's like a peacemaker, that's meek, that's humble, right, that is, that doesn't, you know, flinch in the, in the face of persecution. Who's merciful. You can't be that unless you're actually pouring into the, into the lives of people around you. And so you, you become this, you, you become this person that's described in Matthew 5 through community, right? By being, by being a part of the body of God. That blessed person is a product of a person being engaged in the body of Christ through covering, through accountability, through encouragement, people challenging you, and you challenging other people. Because salt and light are singular words, right? When you go to a restaurant, you're like, oh, can I have some salt? Right? Can I have salt? You're not asking for one salt crystal, right? You're asking for salt, like, you know, like, so you can shake it on your food and what, what, when people talk about light, it's not just like one beam of like, you know, like ionic beam of light that shines. So you're talking about light. There's light in here because there's a whole bunch of light, all different sources of light that are shining into this room. As you turn to Him, you start living your life under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in, in prayer and worship, but also in community with God where you're being sowed into, but you're also sowing into other people's lives. Right? And you find yourself in that anointing and that blessedness, that relationship with Jesus. He, he starts to be the center of your life. And that's when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Right? So Now, as Jesus calls his people salt and light, there's a lot of wisdom that we can glean from this metaphor. Right? I love when Jesus uses metaphors like this. Now, people use metaphors to speak a deeper meaning, a deeper understanding of a certain thing. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Because salt and light are very important aspects. You know, it's for us these days, right? Like salt and light is not that important, right? Salt's everywhere, right? Light is everywhere. We just have to flip a switch at night and it's fine. But back then, salt and light were very important. There's so many lessons that we can glean from this analogy. So what does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? Now we can look at these as two separate things, but I believe, you know, a lot of theologians look at it separately, but I want to look at them together because they all have characteristics that are very important together. And, and, and they kind of like have these characteristics that are similar to each other. And so what are, what are we talking about here? So the first, my first point is that salt and light are valuable and essential, right? Salt was very valuable back in the days. Everyone needed it. In a world without refrigeration, it was really the only way to keep your food from spoiling, right? Who likes bacon? I love you guys. Ted looked at me, I said bacon, he looked at me like really quickly and like raised his hand. I'm not talking about Canadian bacon, right? I'm talking about real bacon, like the strips of bacon that are crispy, right? You know, that's, that's salty because it's cured, right? With salt to, to keep it from spoiling, right? And that's why it tastes so good and it lasts long, right? Salt is also essential mineral for our diet. It means that our bodies don't naturally produce salt. Right? I don't know if you've ever taken physiology or anatomy, but our bodies cannot naturally produce salt. We need to eat salt in order for us to survive. Right? It, it's not naturally produced in our, in our bodies. And so um, throughout history, and especially in the time of Jesus, salt was very valuable. Right? Roman soldiers would sometimes be paid in salt. That's how valuable salt was back then. Some of you may know salt, um, you know, like, like the, the word, the root word of salt, of salary comes from the Latin word salarium, which is also a root, root, root word for salt, right? So salary, the word salary actually comes from salt. In ancient China, salt was second in value to gold. In some parts of Africa, salt was so valuable that it was traded for equal amounts of gold, right? If we can go back in time and bring a bunch of salt with us, 
and go to Africa, we get a ton of gold, right? If we take like a bag of, of, of salt, we're going to get that much of gold, right? Salt was really valuable back then in Jesus' time. And this was the understanding in the context of salt when Jesus says, you're the salt of the world. Light was also very valuable, right? There was no electricity back then. So when night came, right, the only way that people can actually see was through burning of oil. Right? When, you know, they probably used olive oil back then. So olive oil was very, like, expensive and very valuable in the time of Jesus. We know this from the parable of the ten virgins, right? Half of them have oil, the other half don't. Right? And how, how valuable it was to them. In a world with no light switches and flashlights, we see how valuable and essential oil and salt can be. When Jesus says that you're the salt of the world and you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world, that right, you healed, delivered, walking in righteousness and holiness, you know, right standing with God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you're valuable and you're essential to God. God has, has callings for your lives, each and every one of you. If you guys don't believe that, you're mistaken. He has, he has a calling in ministry, business, family, all the different areas of, of this world that you're going to go into, right? His first calling for you is for, for you to be anointed, to be blessed, and, and have the right heart and the right mind and the right spirit guiding you. And, and that, and when, when He says that, when you are like being led by the Spirit of God, He's saying you're essential. You're valuable. Because you as salt and light is, is how He chooses to impact the world for Him. He doesn't choose animals. No, he doesn't choose robots. He chooses you. He chooses your prayers, your thoughts, your behavior, your life. You being under the power of the Gospel. You being under the, the Spirit of God. Nobody else but you. Anointed you, living and being led by the Spirit of God is the way that He chooses to establish His kingdom upon this earth. Do you guys understand that? It's you. Each and every one of us in here, He chooses us, because we have a relationship with Him, He chooses us to establish His kingdom and His rule and His reign upon this earth through you. That's why you're so essential and you're so valuable to God. And He calls you salt and He calls you light. He calls you precious. He calls you so worthy. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. And then number, my point, second point is that salt being, being salt and light means that we're going to be a minority. Right, you don't add equal amounts of salt and food together. I've tried that once. It does not work, right? I remember we had this garlic salt thing and the top was kind of loose. I was making pasta and I just poured the whole thing in. And I was just like, I had to throw it all away, right? Because it just doesn't work. You don't use five pounds of salt to preserve five pounds of meat. Right? That's ridiculous. And you don't create a flame the size of a room to light that room. Or you'd have a, you know, a burned down house. You just need a little salt you just need a little bit of a flame and it goes a long way. A flame of one small lamp can shine light into a room full of darkness a thousand times the size. You know, you know that one candle, you know, like a birthday candle, you know how big of a flame is like that big, right? You take that into a completely dark room, you can light that whole room with that tiny candle. And, and Jesus calls you salt and light. He's telling you, and he's telling us that people that are walking in the anointing and uh, under the anointing of God, being led by the Spirit of God, we're going to be a minority. A very small minority. Right? Matthew 7, 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Right? Did you guys hear that? Right? The narrow and the, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So much of the God, like the churches out there, we, you know, we feel like, you know, it's just like so many Christians, you know, like the world has almost like completely been populated, like has been like the gospel has spread and the gospel has gone to the nations, right? But the ones that truly are able to, to hold fast to it, Jesus says that the gate is narrow and the way is hard and those who find it are few. 
There was a, 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 a study that was done um, a, a while ago, um, and it was called the Recession of Faith. And in one study, um, they did the study, and they said that in America, 70% of people identify themselves as Christian. That's a big number, right? 70%, right? They say 70% would identify themselves as Christian, right? And then there were, and a few years later, there was another study done by the Barna Group. I don't know if you guys know what the Barna Group is, but it's a like, kind of like a poll gathering like institution. Um, and it was also with professors in the University of Notre Dame and other researchers around the world. And they took this similar poll, but they had gave, put two criterias on the answer, right? One, right, the Bible is the Word of God. And two, Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to salvation. Under these criteria, right, only about 7% of American Christians were Christians according to these criteria. So many people out there, right, when it really comes down to it, like, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe that Jesus is Son of God? And, and when they have to answer that question, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Being true salt and not a salt substitute we're going to be a minority in this world. And the way is not going to be easy. And the way that Christianity is being deconstructed in the world today, it's going to get even worse. In America, right, there's a huge deconstructing of Christianity. People are trying to like make Christian, take away all this, a lot of the stuff that made Christianity, the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the God, they're starting to remove things. Like, hey, I don't think this is necessary. I, I think this is an archaic thought. I think this is just like a, uh, you know, like, you know, male chauvinistic things that were you know from back and they start to remove certain things and all of a sudden what they have is not really the gospel of Jesus Christ and right now so much of Christian like people around the world especially in the western world they hate the taste of Christianity they taste they hate the taste of Jesus because what they're tasting is not really salt but is a salt substitute what they're not really seeing is not real light but it's just a, it's just, just kind of flickering of, of, of reflections in the darkness. And although we are a minority, as long as we remain salt, as long as we remain light, and that's just something that's sparkly, like tinsel, like that I talked about, we can change this world for God. God chooses to use us to establish His kingdom. Because salt and light are meant to engage. We are meant to engage. Salt engages, engages our taste buds, engages like you know flesh and meat, you know, to preserve it. Light engages darkness. It, it, it just does. When you shine a light, it naturally the light shines into that darkness. And no matter where we go, no matter how overwhelmed we are, as long as we remain real salt and real light, and we engage the world of death and darkness, we will change it for the glory of God. But we're going to be a minority. And this is just something that we have to kind of understand. And when you really tr- study the end times, and then we had this whole conference about the end times, when we really study it, right? And when, and when the end times do happen, right? A lot of people, and including myself, we believe that, you know, the, the, the persecuted church, we, we are actually going to be the minority. And so... My third point, it leads me to my third point, is that as salt and light, we fight decay and darkness. We fight death and darkness. That salt is an antiseptic and a preservative. Right? It fights infection and decay. Light removes darkness. Right? A long time ago, when you know you, you put like salt in a wound to clean it, I don't know if that really would do anything, but that's what people did back then. And you don't have to do anything to salt for salt to be used. To prevent decay and, and prevent rotting, right? You don't have to do anything to a flame to make it shine into the darkness. It just does. And a life walking in the anointing of God under the power of the Holy Spirit, living a life of the Word of God and just seeking out God, a life lived like Christ can't help but fight decay and darkness. You can't help change the world. As salt and light God has sent you out wherever it is, your workplace, your friends, your family. If you're walking like Christ, your life is fighting decay and it's fighting darkness. It's fighting death and it's fighting darkness. Now, some of your workplaces can be dark. And I've, I've heard stories, right? Depressing, fear-ridden, right? 
But when you are salt and light, grounded in the word, prayer, anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you're living out your faith and sharing your faith, you're changing the atmosphere. Truly remaining salt, and not, it's not easy, but we can, we, but I want to challenge you today. Because in the life that you are living with God and for God, you are battling death, you are battling darkness. And in the end time, the church will be the bride of Christ, and we will be true salt, and we will be true light. Not all churches are going to be like this, right? And just like not all Christians are going to be in this, in this way, right? I point that back to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we're living under the anointing of God, we're seeking out His presence, we're, we're going to God and we're saying, God, I need you. I have a dependence on you. And when we're living this way, we can transform this world. We can fight death and we can fight darkness. And then my fourth point is that as salt and light is pleasant to some, but is reviled by others. Salt is a flavoring agent, the most important flavoring agent in my, in my, you know, belief. I love salt, right? And life and food would suck without, without salt, right? Chicken. Who likes fried chicken, right? Have you ever had fried chicken that is not salted? It tastes bad, right? People say there's no such thing as bad fried chicken. I've had it in Korea where it's like just not flavored. And you're like, dude, I just feel like I'm eating like flesh, <laughs> this blah flesh. It's so like you need salt, right? Salt is so good. It's so enjoyable. But then when you pour salt into a wound, you know, it's it, it's agony. You're like, ah! I don't know if you've ever gotten like something like salty in a wound. Light can shine and reveal beauty. You know, it can reveal a, a like you know, you can shine you know light in here, and and we can see all of these amazing things in this. In this place, I love our sanctuary because it looks so, you know, hipster and so like fun and so you see this thing. It, it shows light can show beauty out in the world, but it can also be reviled. Have you ever, you know, somebody's been in the dark and you shine light into it? They're like, ah, you know, and Nina does that all the time. She's taking a nap and I open the curtains and she just will be like, ah, you know, close the curtains, right? It, it, it can be pleasant to some and it can be reviled by others. And when we are salt and light. To some, we will be delicious and beautiful. They will see us and see Christ in us. And when we preach and love and repentance, they will receive it with joy. But some will revile and hate our flavor. And they will shriek at the light and despise it. But that's how they will see us. No matter how loving we are and how Christ-like we are, there will be some people in this world that would just hate us. And, when, and sometimes when spirit-filled people enter a place, right? When, when really spirit-filled people enter a, like, a, like some kind of situation, right? And there's, a, there's a, like a lot of like, you know, like, like, you know, bad things in there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wake up a lot of that bad things, right? And, and people will be just wicked towards us. You know, I have many stories, right? Me not... Is a great teacher, and there's, and so many of her bosses love her, right? They just like love her. And then there's other places where she'll go, and this is usually the places that are like really manipulative, that really fear-filled. I don't know if you guys ever been in a in, in like a, a working scenario where this you just feel anxious all the time. Have you, has, has, who's been in a place working like that? Right? You just you just you go in there and you just feel anxious, and people are just like all oh, just you just kind of feel this like. You know, heaviness, right? It's usually because the people in there, right? It's not that they're demons and they're evil. It's just that they're operating in demonic things. You know that, you know that the devil has really no powers. The only thing that he can do is lie to people. And he, he'll lie to people and tell them, hey, you can control that person through manipulation. And there's so many people in Korea, especially, there's like, they walk in so much manipulation and, and, and intimidation and like, you know, uh, a domination, right? They try to just like take control, and and, and people and Mina went will go into this kind of like scenario. She went into this work environment one time, and just like it just started to just get weird, right? People would people would just like be so mean to her, and people would just be like you know like they'd be like nice to everybody, but they just just would hate Mina, right? And they would just like 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 look at her like you know 
not trust her and think like she's doing all these bad things. It's not because she's a bad person or her work is bad. She's a very hard worker. It's just that it's pulling out all of these like, you know, like these, these wicked things that are in operation in those areas. And so as true believers, the carriers of the anointing of God, when we go into certain places, right, Right, we're, we're either they're gonna. Some people will love us. Some places will be very accepting of us. But some people we're gonna experience those those darker things that are out there. It's like the sons of Sceva. You know, if you ever read Acts 19, right? And then, and there's and Paul is doing these amazing like miracles and stuff. And then these sons of Sceva, these they're kind of like they're just like wanted to like you know gain power and recognition. They started to try to do what Paul was doing, and they went to this demonized man and they're like oh they try to cast out this demon and he says Jesus I know and Paul I know but who are you right and, and then they just beat him up right they beat the sons of like one man beat up the like I think there were six of them right the sons of Skiva I don't know exactly how many there were they beat them up and they're naked and they have to run away right and the same way demons recognize Jesus do you know that the demons and the dark forces, you know, the Bible says that our war is not against flesh and blood, it's about the, 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 you know, the demonic forces, the, the, the principalities, the powers that are, that are at work in this world. And so demons recognize Jesus. So when we have Jesus Christ in us and we have the anointing of Jesus Christ in us and we go into a place that's dark, it's going to expose that darkness and a lot of things are going to start to be like, hey, we don't want you in here. Right? And we have to, we, that's something that we have to take, to realize, right? As people of God, when we go into these, there's people that are gonna love us, there's people that are gonna, we're gonna have the favor of the, of God upon us. And so many times Mina will go into a workplace and she just has mad favor, right? But there's also times where she'll go into a place and they just kind of like, think, you know, like they just think the worst, some of the people think the worst things of her, right? And so this is one of the things is as salt and light, we're gonna go into some places and we're either gonna be accepted or we're gonna be reviled. Right? Second Corinthians two fourteen it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal possessions in Christ, and through us spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, to the ones who are the smell of death to the other. Right. So we're actually the aroma of Christ, this amazing fragrance, to some that are being saved and to some that are in the darkness, we're going to be like the stench of death. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we seek before God with sincerity like men sent from God. When we are salt and light, we will be welcomed by some, we're going to be hated by others, but I can't change who we are as salt and light. This is my point in this, in, in this, in this point. We can't water down our salt. We can't dim our darkness. When we can't dim our light. Because soon we'll end up no longer being salty and then we're going to end up hiding our, our light. Jesus says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. He says, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Right? This is a slippery slope. You know, like we like start to like water down, you know, our our faith, right? Just to be accepted by certain people, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in compromise. Right? For this sermon, I actually like like you know research salt, right? And I wanted to know if salt can actually lose its saltiness. And scientifically, it can't. Right? You know, NaCl, who's, who's, who knows chemistry here? Anybody really got, did really well in chemistry? Nobody, right? I didn't even take chemistry in high school. Right? I took another class. But, but sodium chloride is a very stable compound, right? Which is the chemical for, for salt. The chemical bond between the sodium and the chloride sharing that one electron is very tight. They're like really close friends. And even if salt is mixed in water and boiled, right, it still remains a salt molecule. That's why, I know this is really gross, but you know, when, when I, in the summertime, when I get really sweaty, my shirt will get super sweaty, and then when it dries, it leaves this white film of like salt on my chest, right? And because the salt, that coming out of my skin, it's, it's, it remains salt, right? It's not, it's traveled through my whole entire body, 
went through all of the like the different organs and the things, and it, it still came out of my sweat as salt, and it dries on my shirt as these white you know crystals. And so this bond is really tight, right? and so there's no way for us for a salt to 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 be, to lose its saltiness. But back in Jesus's day, in a matter of speaking, salt could lose its saltiness, right? Salt was so valuable that some people would be dishonest and they would start mixing with the salt white substances that looked like salt, but it wasn't salt. And and, and we'll get to a point they would mix so much of this stuff that it would lose its saltiness. And it would it'd be a mixture that they would sell as salt, but it really wasn't salt, right? Drug dealers do this. They call it cutting, right? You know? Some people might hate our saltiness, but we have to remain salt. You coming into a place might be like light when somebody open, like, opens the door and they're like, ah, and then sometimes you might be received with like, oh, you're beautiful. You're shining light into this darkness. Some of us might taste you and be like, ah, oh, this, this tastes like death. And some people will be like, ah, you know, you're amazing. Like, you know, like, you know, I, I want more of you, you know, in our organization. But in, in, no matter what the scenario is, we have to remain salt and light. Because our allegiance and our everything that we are is geared towards Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. And this leads me to my last point, and I'll close with this, is that salt and light must be maintained. We have to to make sure that we're constantly connected to God in the body of Christ, connected in the Word of God, connected in prayer, personal and corporate, praying God's heart, connected in worship, praise, being filled with the Holy Spirit, encountering God daily. And, and that's what, you know, that encounter with God where we're seeking God is what's going to keep us remaining as salt and light and not some salt substitute, right? Like Mrs. Dash. I don't know if you've ever had Mrs. Dash, right? Or MSG. Although MSG tastes pretty good. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I just like dip my finger in my mom's MSG and just eat it, right? But, but, we have to, the way that we remain salt and the way that we remain light is we remain connected to God. And this will keep our lamps burning when we're constantly being refilled with the oil and the anointing of God in our lives. We're living in a world as more and more people are losing their taste for God. I don't know if you've actually seen it out there. You know, we might be kind of, how do you say it, like sheltered from a lot of this because we're living in Korea. We're living in this kind of like ecosystem where we're foreigners in a land where, you know, with a bunch of Koreans and, you know, we kind of stick together. But if you look at what's happening around the world, there's so many people are losing taste for God and for Jesus. It's becoming so much of the world just hates the taste of Jesus. It's because what they're tasting is not real salt, but what they're tasting is a salt substitute. The light that they're seeing is not not real natural light that shines in here and makes us all look beautiful. But it's like tinsel that doesn't have really no light coming out of it. It just reflects whatever light that's out there. And when what we offer the world is religion, they will not like what they taste and what they see. But you know what tastes and looks good? Is when we are the people of God, we struggle... And we still have joy. Have you ever, has, have you ever, like, allowed people to see that in your life? Where, where some, you're just going through a hard struggle, but you remain filled with joy. Real joy. Not just fake joy. Like, ah, everything's fine. But you find your joy in Christ Jesus. And people are like, how are you able to feel this joy and you, and, and, and be this joyful in the circumstances that you're going through? When you're able to do that, when you walk like that, when you live like that, people's minds and thinking change. When they see you face adversity and remain loving and faith-filled with you at peace, right? That flavor, that's the flavor of God. When they see you live a life of true honesty and righteousness and integrity, not out of selfish pride, but true humility and meekness. When they see you walk in peace and, 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 and you know, and when they're able to see that, that fruit of the Spirit that is in you, that's, that flavor is, 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 is iconic. And people will be drawn to that. Just like people were drawn to Jesus. You know, Jesus was just one man and thousands of people flocked to him. This was in a time where there was no loudspeaker. 
Jesus didn't have a PA so he could preach to all these people. He just, he would just start talking and just like hundreds of people was like, I, I want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear who this person is. That taste, that's the taste of God. And we don't have to try to disguise that flavor. We don't have to try to make that more shiny than it is. That light that shines from God is perfect, right? When we're able to walk in righteousness, holiness, integrity, being led by the Spirit of God, that's, that's true salt and that's true light. And that tastes good. People will be like, how, how are you able to live like that? I want it, I want that in my life. That's that good light, that natural light. That's the salt that the world needs as flavoring. Because God sent us out as salt and light. Not to do, but to be. Because when you are, you naturally will do. And who we are is all about who Jesus is in us. Christ in us. Christ in you. Hope of glory. So I want to encourage you guys today. Let us truly be light. Not just, you know, like shiny. Let us truly be salt and not salty in this, uh, this fake way. But let us be the salt and the light that God calls us to be. So that we can actually touch the world. We can go out. I know a lot of you guys, you know, you guys work in places where you're just surrounded by non-Christians. You know, a lot of you guys are the minority that, like I talked about. Many of you guys are the minority that I talked about. Right? But that, that's a—that's an amazing opportunity. Me working from home, a lot of times I feel like ah, I used to love it when I used to work for Sharkies. It was the bar and grill. I used to do the cooking in the back. I was just surrounded by non-Christians all the time, and I, and I remember people just asking me questions like, like, how are you a pastor and and working at a bar? And I would tell them. I'm doing a church plan, right? I'm doing this all for God, you know? I would engage people, I would talk with them, and people would come up to me and be like, hey, I heard you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, I worship Satan. I'm like, that's great, you know? And I would talk with him. I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be all like, ah, you're going to go to hell. I'd be like, hey, so like, you know, what is this? And they were, and then they would be like, ah, you know, at the end of like, ah, I just said that just to like be shocking and just to mess with you, but you know, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I know, right? And we would develop a relationship and people would, you know, and, and we're able to have impact like that because you're, we're all, God has placed you in your little, wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, God has placed you there for you to make an impact in the people that are around you. So be salt and be light and let us engage the world the way that Jesus wants it. Let's all stand up and close us with prayer.